Part of belonging is just wanting to be understood for who we are as individuals and not just understood, but accepted as we are, right? When did you know you belonged? When did you know you had found your tribe? These are a couple of the questions we're tackling in today's show. It couldn't have been a more fluid or fun conversation that actually emerged. Welcome back, healers. This is the Stories of Astonishing Light podcast, and I'm your hostess in Story Exchanges, KJ Nazarul. This episode is a first for me in which I host a group interview on the podcast. I jam with my newly minted karaoke crew, the Magical Cartographers, about the nuances and complexities of belonging and how our desire to connect and be included shapes our decisions and the way we show up in the world every single day. Well, today, in addition to reminiscing about Def Leppard and acid wash jeans, I'll introduce you to three astonishing, spicy women who are mapping out the uncharted territories through storytelling of growth, heartache, and personal greatness, all in invitation for you to do the same. Please extend a wonderful welcome to today's storytellers, Jocelyn Lindsay, passionate story warrior, certified book coach, Ish Modak, internal medicine physician and soulscape strategist, Mel Morris, tarot life planner and goddess changemaker. I promise you are always welcome in this tribe, my healers. Let's dive in with the magical cartographers. So before we jump into talking about what we thought we would talk about today, which is already a juicy subject in its own, belonging, finding tribe, wondering if you would be interested in doing a little lightning round icebreaker. So don't think too hard. First answers that come to your lips, that's the answer we want. And no order in particular. I'll ask a question and we all can go around and say what came to our mind. Sound good? There's only a couple of them. So the first one is, what was the very first concert you attended? I went to Cheap Trick at Astroworld with my dad, mom, and my brother. I must have been like 11. I don't know how old I was. Must have been like 11 or 12 years old. Like my dad took us. Gosh. I love I, and it I, it, so and it's really sad. It's just so sad because of what's just happened at Astroworld. So yes, I mean, but I know the place well. Mm. I love I that answer so much. You to want me. That's exactly what I was singing in my head. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, my first concert was also with my dad. It was a public enemy concert. And he stood behind me the whole time. I was probably around nine. nine public enemy. Nice. And he stood behind me the whole time, like arms folded. And he had this Adidas t-shirt on, like he was fitting in somehow. But (laughs) yes, he was very, I'm just going to stand here as her bodyguard. And it was amazing. Yeah, it was Amazing. amazing. I can't remember which was first, the cult or Def Leppard. <gasps> Death Leopard! Oh, oh my god! We're like within the same few months. 
I mean, I was like 16. I don't remember which was first out of those two. So that's okay. You don't have it to differentiate. The, it was the hysteria tour for Jack Blackwood, which was it. like the only one to go to for them, right? Other than, yeah, it was my junior year of high school. So, mm. and for the cult, a bunch of girls and I drove down to the arena. I think it was a hockey arena there at the Seattle Center mm. and went to that. And we were like, oh my God, all the pot. We were <laughs> <laughs> we are like blown away by all the bots. <laughs> oh my gosh. Did you see how both Ish and I like full body reacted to Def Leppard? Two days ago, I was just talking about Def Leppard. See? To my wife. And I was like, you know that their drummer only had one arm, right? And she's yeah. like, why do you know that? In an accident. Yeah. Right. She's always amazed at the random knowledge that floats through my head. But yeah. Oh, isn't that something? I grew up in an all white world, y'all. I know all the people, all the things. I've been to a Def Leppard concert. Well, they were much younger than 16. Well, they were a band that you don't go back to when you get old. It's one of those things that's like, oh, I'm going to go down memory lane. What are they doing today? No, that was a mistake. Uh, i'll still pull them up on a karaoke list they're on my karaoke list too oh yeah 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 Yeah. especially after some cocktails if you're at like a raunchy place you're pouring some sugar on me for sure (laughs) yeah thank you for saying that i haven't even given my answer yet but now i want to change it to a deaf leopard concert and i've never even been to one well it's also one of those moments for me that was not just like a first concert but it was like it was the in the round concert so when that curtain fell and that drummer started up man and the lights dropped it was i can still feel that yes yes (laughs) I, I can feel it with you. I, I know. Just, yeah, I, I got tingles. Right I got tingles. Like yes. grandma on Def Leppard, right? I mean. <laughs> hey, Jay, was that your first concert? That wasn't a concert no, for you, though. What was your first wasn't. concert? So I'm, I'm just totally making shit up now. I know there were concerts that I must have seen earlier. And yes, they might have been involved with like church. So I'm not going to name those, but the concert that I first remember just going, okay, I think I could do this for the rest of my life, literally go to live shows the rest of my life. I was 17 and I went to a Tori Amos concert. Nice. I'm vastly, deeply in love with Tori Amos. She's one of my biggest muses then and now. And so for me to see her live and at a young enough age where I was just like, this is what I want to do. There's a your young Scorpio self at a Tori Amos concert. I nearly burst, girl. All the feels. <laughs> All the feels. Talk about oh introspection. Totally. And I, I did. I huh. wept through most of her set because yeah. I was just like, this can't be real. This isn't yeah. real. I so. love it. Oh, I love it. I almost gave birth at a Guns N' Roses concert. <laughs> that that was, yeah, I can see that. Just, as as yes. a side, as a side. A few years later, I had the tightest pants on you can imagine, even though I was pregnant because I only got so far. She was my preemie baby, but she did not like rock music, apparently. And my leather halter top almost burst. And I said, okay, I think it's time. I think it's time I leave here. So yeah, it was a lot. My tight, stretchy, acid-washed jeans. Yeah, they were. My blue leather halter top with matching crop jacket with fringe. 
is what I clearly remember having on because I couldn't breathe top or bottom. We're going to just have to have an episode about our concert going. I was about to say, we may just need to stay here for a minute (laughs) because there are stories. There are stories. Well, let's stay though in that realm. We all mentioned an age, keeping that age in mind that you were at this concert. What did you want to be when you grew up? So for me, I was 17. What was I studying and yearning for? I have to think about that. The only reason I can answer this so quickly is because it's it's literally on my website too, because it it was, I learned later, it was an aha moment for me. And it was actually probably a year or two before the concert, but I wanted to be a bitch. (laughs) And the short answer to that is, I remember my dad asking me what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I said, I want to be a bitch. I'm so tired of people asking me for stuff and expecting (laughs) me to take care of them. I don't want to do it anymore. And so the aha for me, yeah, the aha for me later in life was that what I see now as my gifts have always kind of come through and people have always sucked the energy from me. People have always, even as a kid, adults always needed my help, needed guidance, needed something. And I subconsciously, I guess, knew that very early on. And the only way that made sense for me to get out of that was to just be a bitch to people. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, you have failed at that miserably. So you did not attain that status. Thank you. you are, and yes, you are not yes. bitch status. So, no, but okay. They, but yes, wow. that's my answer. Go ahead and Thank top you. that. No. <laughs> yeah. I, I, don't, I don't have anything. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't, I didn't mean to ruin that question. Not, you wasn't ruining. It just made us go to a different place. <laughs> well, ish. You were, did you say you were 11? I don't really actually remember the age. Like I can very distinctly remember the concert and I was young. I really do think it was pre-teen. But honestly, I don't think that I had any idea of what I really wanted to do. I'm sure in something I could go back and look in (laughs) and sort Mm -hmm. of see like, oh yeah, this is what I wrote. Or, you know, you do those things in school. What do you want to do when you grow up? But I don't distinctly remember thinking anything Mm -hmm. around that time, except just sort of like surviving. (laughs) Yeah, fair enough. So, you know, but surviving and just, I don't know, just dealing with being a preteen. That in and of itself is enough. And an awkward preteen at that. Damn, I recall. Awkward, nerdy preteen. I wanted to tell stories. Mm-hmm. I was painting, I was writing, and looking back, I recognized I wanted to tell stories about badass women. Because mm-hmm. at the time, I mean, that was the mid-80s, end of the 80s, and I could not find the stories about badass women that I wanted to like read and draw and see. And that really didn't happen for quite a long time. Yeah, that's what I wanted to do. I would sit in my basement and draw and write and listen to Def Leppard and The Cult and Led Zeppelin. Yeah, that music just wanted me to create badass stories. Mm-hmm. Heart. I mean, all the yeah. Oh, heart. Yeah. Heart. yeah. Oh, yeah. So good. Um, what about love? Exactly. <laughs> we need like a magical cartographer karaoke weekend. Can oh we God. please? Every weekend could be that. You don't yeah. understand how much I love karaoke. I think I do. I mean, <laughs> I've never found anybody cruise. to like karaoke with me because everybody's like, what the hell's wrong with you? So we no, just found cool. our karaoke troupe too? We yeah, totally. I want to cruise. I mean, drinks and karaoke. 
Okay. We've written about seven new shows <laughs> in this two minute span, ladies. Just sorry. So you know. Sorry. You know, I've lived many lives. So well, there's, there's not a topic you can bring up that I haven't experienced in one of those. So that's why I know what we're doing right now is going to be. We're totally getting together and karaoke. <laughs> we all come here. Yes. Oh, yeah. It's on. Okay. Maybe it'll be a part of our show. Or a part of our monthly lives. <laughs> yeah. Let's do it. Our live come ready our to live. karaoke. Yeah. Yes. Let's do it. Yep. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm just going to answer really quickly because I don't want to leave this energy that's here. But I think for me, like I said, I was 17. I think I wanted to be Tori Amos. <laughs> I wanted to be a performer. I wanted to be a musical performer. I hadn't decided if I was going to try out because you have to audition to get into the school of music that I was looking to get into. So I hadn't done that yet. I was making the decision on whether or not I should. Long story short, it'll probably be like its own podcast episode one day, but I had like 17 majors and I changed my mind like 15 times. So even though I was accepted into a music program two days before I did go, I decided to go somewhere else and study psychology instead. That's kind of how it goes. But yeah, at 17, I think I was trying to figure out how I would be a musician and a live performer. So why not Why not strive to be Tori Amos? I love that. Oof. Well, we've already mentioned a number of times the way that we can connect as a group, the four of us here. So that's what I was hoping we would talk a little bit more about today is how we came together as a tribe and the undercurrents or overarching thread of what it means to belong and what it means to connect with the people that you do connect with and say, these are my people. And so I'm wondering if we could, if however you're feeling moved to, if you wouldn't mind sharing, ladies, how you have known belonging or how you've experienced it and then finding tribe. And if we can also jam on this, how we found each other. So I know that's a layered question, but I know you ladies can handle it. <laughs> I was looking at you, Ish, and I don't know why, but I felt like I wanted Ish to answer that first. No pressure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, picking... like, yeah, no, pr no pressure. Yeah, I picked you, but no pressure. Are you tossing it to me, Mel? I am. Okay. All right. I'll take you up on that challenge. Not afraid. I know you're not, you're not skirt. This question of belonging, it's a really interesting question. It's a very hard question. I think what's going to come out in this conversation is each of our journeys. For me, belonging in the first sense of belonging was and continues to really be family. It has been the most steady, loving, group, supportive. And then there's other things about family too. But Outside of that, it was the sense of belonging never really existed. It was really hard growing up. Looking back, it was hard. I just didn't, but I never really felt like I belonged. So I was a nerd. So I belonged in the sense of like being an academic oriented person. But as far as feeling a part of a group, I interacted well with groups. I was part of groups, but I never really felt like I belonged in those groups because there were cultural differences. And at that time, I was born in the early 70s when I was a preteen. That preteen and teen years were in the 80s. And quite honestly, it was in growing up too, just even being younger than that. So there were not dolls that looked like me. 
there were not TV shows that had Indian people on it, Indian women. So then whenever I did see something with Indian people, it was Bollywood. And I love Bollywood, but there's a whole big sense of wrongness with how women are portrayed in Bollywood. So I got a really messed up sense of (laughs) how I should be as a woman. And I didn't really see really good women leaders. That was just my experience. So belonging in the outside world was a very, was just not really existent. And so I think how that translates now or in my adult life is that I really yearn for having a group of people that I can identify with in some way that are supportive. And it's not about all being about, oh, I have to be around Indian people, but it's just these values and being around women who have a very strong sense of self. And when I say women, I'm including, I mean, it's whether you were born as a woman, we may have the genetic makeup, but there are women who were born who didn't have the genetic makeup. So just really feeling into that. And so I think my journey on the entrepreneurship side has really been about finding my community and Mm -hmm. finding women that I can grow with and step into those arenas and make changes in the world so that there are not people that feel like they do not belong because we all belong when we're when you're born we belong it's all of the things that are put upon us that make it feel like we don't belong hmm. how did i do mel did i take that on pretty well yeah <laughs> i'm throwing it back I mean, to you mel more i mean you're amazing Ish. i just <laughs> i felt like we needed to start with you Mm. I wanted to start with deep Scorpio introspection. Always. I'm secret. Diving to the bottom I'm secret, of the I'm a secret Scorpio. The I'm like plankton at the bottom. Were you passing it to me or were you just... Um... Oh, I'm passing it to you now. Oh, okay. So I feel that I had the opposite experience of Ish. I was not really close with my family. And once my grandmother passed away when I was seven, who was the only caretaker up till then that I have any memory of, after that, I never really felt connected to anybody who was biologically my family. And so as an adult, I kind of always... I'll say adult, though it was in my teen years. I haven't lived at home since I was 13. So from that point, I consider myself an adult. So from there, I always found that my family was my chosen family. And those are the folks who I'm going to give myself to and be open to and accessible to. And I am the kind of person who kind of, I will give you love from the beginning until you screw it up. And then I have to cut you off. But if you don't, great. And I do feel that even with my biological family, right? There's many of them I don't talk to because, I don't know, my wife is very much, well, it's family. There's this obligation that you got to love them no matter what. And I never really had that because I didn't have that closeness, I think, to start with. So the idea of belonging, I've always looked to belong someplace because I didn't feel like I belonged at home besides being the black sheep of the family, being the only person of color in an all white household, right? I mean, that's another layer of it. But I always have been in search of people who got me, who not just got me, but really wanted to grow with me, right? And didn't want to just latch on back to that first profession that I wanted, you know, as a child. I had a lot of people who would naturally latch 
latch on to me for help, for support. And because that comes so naturally to me, I would do it and I didn't realize how draining it was. And so I have spent the second half of my life really looking for people who wanted to coexist with me, co-create with me, not just take whether, again, people take what they need all the time and that's not a bad thing, but folks who really want to grow. And so belonging for me, and certainly, and we'll circle back to this, being able to find people who get you, who understand that you're quirky and you're weird. And some days you feel like shit and don't feel like talking. And some days you can't stop talking. And either way, it's okay. For me, that's the epitome of finding your tribe, finding your people is finding those folks. And for me, once I find them, I'm not letting you go. So I will, I will stalk you. I will give you space, but I'll always be lurking. It's hard, right? It's hard to do. I think as I've gotten older, maybe partly because I'm more discerning, but it does get harder. It gets harder because people don't want to open up as much when you get older, you get kind of stuck in your ways. And so it has been more of a journey to find folks, but I only need a couple. I only need a couple. And so entree magical cartographers that will talk about that, how we got together. And maybe that's why I wanted Ish to start was because I feel like I knew that your perspective was the flip to mine, at least in the early years. So that felt good to ping pong that with you. So that is so rich and juicy, both of you, what you've shared so far. And you're absolutely right. We're going to circle back around about this particular amalgamation. And this is just the beginning, friends. Let's take a second to pause in this amazing conversation for a quick check-in. If you're enjoying this episode and have found value in the stories from the guests who've joined me on the podcast, I would love it if you could rate and leave a review for the show. You can do so on Apple Podcasts or any of your listening platforms. Your reviews help boost visibility of the show and spread the word to more listeners. Plus, I love hearing from you. If you have found anything you've heard on this show valuable or helpful for you, please let us know. And it's really easy to do. And it takes maybe a minute. You can go to ratethispodcast.com forward slash astonishing stories. Also, a little something to consider. Every review you leave enters you into a chance for winning a free 30-minute private session with me to discuss anything of your choice. I'll pick the name of the winner every Friday and announce it on my Instagram and Facebook stories. So let's hear it, friends. Ratethispodcast.com forward slash astonishing stories. I really appreciate you. Hey, Jocelyn. Me. Ish, you said something about family and belonging to family. That really struck me because with my family, I could be as weird and as strange as I wanted to be because my family was so weird and strange anyway. Like you, I I was born in the early 70s. And so I grew up, you know, in the 80s. My family was so non-typical. You know, it was a blended household. It was a large household. There were people coming into the house. There were people going from the house. I had all kinds of half siblings. I just sort of was who I wanted to be in that family. And it didn't really matter. But it made interacting with the outside world challenging because I grew up being whoever I wanted to be. 
And that's not the outside world. I knew I could belong in my family, but you get into the outside world and it gets difficult because outside of that, of that protective place of a family, the, the society puts expectations on who you're going to be. And man, I did not fit any of them. I spent a lot of time alone, computers and art and writing. I was a feral child. I was outside. I was building forts. I didn't fit in, so I didn't try. I totally did my own thing. And I was like the loner. And I think about high school and I think about friends and it's like people would come and wander beside me for a while and then wander off. And I'd be like, yeah, okay, whatever. I'm here doing my thing. And who I related to were characters in books and characters in movies. And so my role models really weren't real. So... I didn't fit in. So I created my own worlds. I created my own space. And I think looking back, I've just sort of moved through it all in my little like, this is my strange kind of bubble. And I'm just here sort of doing my thing. And you can come belong with me or not or whatever. I was very much a loner, though, very much a loner. So belonging for me, belonging to a tribe or a group has really only been, it didn't last. Groups didn't last for me. I'd move through a group and then move on and do my own thing in another place. Joining up with you three ladies has been such a blessing because I feel like I'm really belonging. I mean, I feel like at this point in my life, the end of my 40s, I want my bubble to be big enough. These worlds I create, I want these women with me. I want to be cruising along with you guys. And so that has been a huge shift for me at this point in my life to find that because I have been such a loner. It's like, yeah, I don't need to be a loner anymore. I've got these three amazing powerhouse, these badass women I want to tell stories about forever. You're now with me. And so it's like, woohoo, I'm, I'm getting that. <laughs> you right here, we're yeah. right here. I've got chills. Jocelyn, I just, I mean, I love that. As everybody's talking, it's like belonging is so unique for everybody. And Jocelyn, the fact that belonging, like the stories, like the books and the characters mm -hmm. and that there's nothing wrong with that and having that. But I think one of the things that I've just feel this theme is that part of belonging is just wanting to be understood for who we mm -hmm. are as individuals and not just understood, but accepted as we are, right? It just feels like this theme. And so whether or not it came through family or came through friends or came through books, I think, KJ, you've alluded to this in the lightning round questions, right? Through art, like through music. It's a very different perspective, I think, than what we normally think about belonging, right? Mm. I just have to say that I am so deeply enthralled with you ladies right now. I'm heart eyes. <laughs> I am not going to cry on this very first <laughs> time we were on your oh, show. Katie. Oh, Mal, you are going to cry. Um, you are going to cry. <laughs> Scorpios and Scorpio season are not going to get me. It, but we know. <laughs> I just, you stunned me. As you all were talking, I was taking little threads and braiding them and intertwining them with my story of belonging as well. I can take something from everything that you've all said. And that was my story. I was raised in a single parent family. I was the only brown person in my white family. I grew up in a neighborhood where there were several kids my age. And so that was my first understanding of a tribe and belonging. I had my neighborhood crew, which was super cool, but I didn't notice that they were different until I went to school. I went to a different school than they did. 
So then there's the neighborhood friends, and then there's the school friends, then there's the church friends. So there was always almost an isolation. There was a disconnect. It wasn't really a community. And so I had a wild imagination. I still do. I was the dreamer. I was the weird kid. I was the freaky kid. And for most of my childhood, I could remember only wanting to fit in somewhere. So I would do everything in my power to hide the freak, hide the weirdo kid, the artsy kid. And then if I could at least act a certain way, maybe they wouldn't notice that I didn't look like them. So there was often an exhaustion and a sadness in my childhood. I don't know. I'm just feeling very, very tender, admiring of you ladies, you beautiful ladies, that it's such a gift to know you, which is how I would love to transition into the next bit of conversation. So this next question is, how is it that we four women found ourselves here? and connecting and deciding to create a karaoke crew. Yes. Yes. Thank you for co-signing that. Yes. You're not letting that go. No, no. Well, I guess I'll start since I corralled everyone in some way, at (laughs) least, because we were destined to be together. So Mm. I will say that I was just the spark that lit the flame here. It wasn't, I can't claim all the magic for this. So really, it's funny. I was thinking about this before and literally what I wrote down was origin story, set shit on fire, who's in? That's as far as I got. But that's basically the story. That's all you needed, babe. That is all you needed, those three bullet points. So if we think about this idea of belonging and all of us in some way being in search of our people, the people who get us, the people who know that we are not the kind of people who are just going to sit back and take bullshit anymore. We've each been through too much, too rich of a life to believe that that's the best that we can do or hope for. We each found each other at slightly different times. I'm going to say KJ was like the baby find. We found her a little later (laughs) than we found each other, the other three initially. But obviously it wasn't meant to be until we found our fourth. So it happened exactly when it was supposed to. But you're not going to make me cry, Mel. I'm not going to cry. I mean, you're crying, okay. not me. Not me. Not yet, girl. Not yet. I will hop off this camera. So essentially, I was just kind of in this phase where I knew that trying to create things on my own was not working anymore. The change that I really want to make for myself, for the people around me, for the world, I know I cannot do that alone. I had finally gotten to the point where I realized that I couldn't just wait anymore for my posse to arrive. I had to actually round them up. And so Jocelyn actually had wanted to ask a question about something in her business. And so we had already set up an appointment. And in our conversation, I don't even know if I addressed your question, Jocelyn, because we're both chatty. But in that conversation, I essentially said to her, I really just want to put some shit on fire. Are you in? I don't know what it looks like yet. I don't know what this movement's going to be, but... Some things need to burn down and I would love it if you'd like to come along with me. Well, because I came to you at that point really dissatisfied with some things that were going on traditionally in my industry. 
I just want to break it. I don't like this. I was trying to understand why. It was like, okay, this instinct and I want to understand why I'm having this before I pour gasoline on it. Mm-hmm. And somewhere along there, we were, you were talking about, I don't remember, the conversation kind of like all blended together. And I was like, I'll bring gasoline. Let's go. Yes. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Yeah. And in that conversation, we also recognize it couldn't just be us two. We know other folks that make sense to tap into. And we both were like, ish, we got to call ish. Right. And coincidentally, I already had a phone call scheduled with you, KJ, just from a group, the group that we all had been in. I just knew that I needed to learn more about you more than I had already just from the peripheral note about you from being in group. Mm-hmm. I really just wanted to get to know you a little bit more. So I had set up a call already. And it was the same day that Jocelyn <laughs> and I had this conversation. And so I let her know. I said, well, I already have a call with KJ going on tonight. So I'm going to see. I don't know, because this is my get to know you call. So, well, but I'm yeah. pretty sure she's going to be right with it. I was all in because KJ, you and I had talked yeah. months before the class even started. Mm-hmm. And I fell in love with you. Mm. And I was like, even if you don't take this class, I need this woman in my life. <laughs> and so I thought, even if you hadn't signed up for that class, my whole plan was to like email and connect and not let you slip away into the unknown. When you took that class, I was like, well, yes, she I joined. I <laughs> <laughs> I've got her two times a week. <laughs> wow. Well, I, I just want everybody to know, I think that Mel, you set up the call with KJ because of her sexy voice and you just wanted to hear it. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to say for an hour straight part of it. It might have been part of it. I, I'm not going to dispute that. It's so nice to meet you. Read me the phone. <laughs> But there's layers to this, is my point. Yes, That's my point. There's layers to this. So once Jocelyn and I got off the phone, (laughs) I text-ish, and I wish I had, I don't know if you found it, I wish I had Oh, I have it. April 16th. Oh, I love it. One oh, yeah. p.m. Yeah. The amazing Jocelyn and I just got off an amazing conversation. It was really, truly amazing. I, I, I got that from like... <laughs> <laughs> I'm dramatic. Yeah, I'm dramatic. <laughs> I, no, this is great. Just wait, hold on. That's deciding we needed to burn down the established rules of how to do shit and create something that will feed our immortal souls. I love it. See how dramatic I sound after a two-hour call with a <laughs> It says then to create a space for folks to gather and share their stories about being authentic, doing things differently, and bringing voice to diverse ideas and perspectives. It can be a lot of different things. It just needs to start happening. We simultaneously agree that you need to be a part of whatever this becomes. So we want to schedule a chat with you to convince you to come on our journey to change the world. And then she says, if you're in ish, let's find a time next week. So we all talk and see how we can magicalize this bitch. Uh, and I was like, I'm in. What do you say no to that? You, like, <laughs> and then after that. I forget how dramatic. I know I'm dramatic, but then when I hear a text where I was like drunk on magic 
from my my soul sister here, I'm like, oh gosh, you really are super dramatic. Well, and literally the next few texts were all April 16th. <laughs> you had gotten on a call with KJ and then you added KJ to the group chat and there it was. There it was. That there is was. the inception date. April yeah. 16th, huh? April, oh, April 16th. 16th. Yeah. Damn. Burning shit down. <gasps> I love I'm it. so glad you kept that and read that right now, Ish. Thank you. Yes. Thank, thank you for that. Amazing. Well, that and just so everybody knows, there were so many planets that started going into retrograde, mm. these outer planets that have... So it really was a time to come together to mm. take down stuff. And our journey <laughs> from that time until now was, I dare say, not only in creating the magical cartographers, but in going through each of us in very different ways, but with a lot of support, the things that we needed to do to get to this point where we are with magical cartographers, but incredible growth in what's been going on with everybody individually. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. So KJ, I'd love for you to, I mean, I remember our conversation and again, having scheduled this random call with this random woman from and this was group, it random? I mean, I, really? well, I don't want to put words in your mouth. I'd love for you to add in then like, okay, so you get this call. You already knew you were <laughs> going to talk to me. And then I also ask you about burning shit down. Yeah. Well, I don't think it was random at all because this behind the scenes action that was happening, Jocelyn is 100% correct. She and I had already connected. I don't know if I've ever told you, Jocelyn, you were the reason why I joined the group. Like I wanted to continue to work with Jocelyn. It's not random at all. And so on April 16th, when you and I got on the phone, finally, Mel, I was just finishing up what my client and I were basically putting together an exhibition. And we had just finished recording it. That was what I called my story whispering project. And I'd said to you, I'm finishing up a story whispering project. And you were just like, and I was like, what? But then you were like, yes, you were. Of course now, you were. we're burning shit down. Yeah, of course yeah. you were. Of course you And you said it just like that. Just, yeah, of course you were. And then you were like, do you want to burn some shit down? And I got as far as you want to burn some shit. And she was like, yes, yes. whatever else you're going to say after that. Yes. She, she had me at burn. <laughs> and then when she was like, I already had this amazing talk with Jocelyn. So I was like, yes. And then she was like, we're thinking we extended an invite to Ish. And on top of that, Ish and I were already in our own little accountability group. I already knew that oh, I was in love right. with Ish. Yeah. So I forgot that. It just too. made perfect sense because anytime I was already I had... in love with KJ. Yeah. So, so I thought, like, so I thought I corralled everyone, but secretly everyone no, but was you already did, Mel. corralled. You, you did. did. <laughs> you named something it. that we didn't realize was happening. I think all of this was already in motion. You just helped. You did help corral us because we could have been like ping-ponging anywhere, right? Yeah, because we're like, bitches, we're burning shit board. down. <laughs> Get on board. Totally. I'm but like you, a professional nudger. Yeah. <laughs> but do you see how easy it was because we had oh, already yeah. been moving in that direction? I'm aware of the time. We've been talking, my loves. But like I said, this is just a little tidbit. This is just a little morsel to get folks really excited because we're going to be doing this all the time. <laughs> We're going to be having conversations. We're going to be having group and retreat activities. We're going to be live. 
I just wanted to take this opportunity to bring together these incredible women as just a teaser of what's to come. And fairly soon, we're on the eve of releasing or burning or releasing and burning (laughs) things. All the things. All the things. All the things. All of the things. I mean, don't you want to know what we're going to get into? I thank you so much, my friends, for starting this conversation and for easily saying yes to Mel's corralling and for your vulnerability and honesty. Any final thoughts before we wrap up today's gathering? I just want to thank you for having us here, for getting us started on this spectacular, fantastical journey that we're about to really move into. I'm so excited. I'm so thankful for each of you for allowing me to corral you. And I can't wait. I can't wait to see all the places we're going to go. Here, here. Yes, KJ, thank you for inviting us onto your show as we embark on our show. And I just, I love it. And I can't wait to continue to have these conversations that we are always thinking about Mm -hmm. and giving people that space to really talk about it. Mm. Yeah, I echo that as well. Thank you so much. The world needs stories and it needs stories about badass women burning shit down. So (laughs) thank you for helping us start doing that. Oh my God, this is my pleasure. And as folks can hear, there's a lot of love here. So it made perfect sense to me to be like, who do I love most? Let's get them in the same room and talk about the great things that we can do together. Share stories and an opportunity to explore and be curious and burn. I'm in. Thank you, my loves. Well, (laughs) so there you have it, my friends. That is just a snippet, a little tasty tidbit morsel of more to come. We have so many ideas and adventures planned for the upcoming year. There are a ton of takeaways, but I think what I'll do is sum it all up with a couple of questions posed to you all for some considerations. Number one, we are absorbing, observing creatures, even at, and especially at, young ages. Number two, how is your idea of belonging informed when you have found no representations in the outside world? That looked like you. Number three, where do the weirdo kids, the feral ones, the dreamers fit in? Were you one of them? Number four, is belonging about being accepted for who we genuinely are? Number five, who in your life fits that description of someone accepting and supporting you in all of your facets? Please check out the show notes to learn more about these brilliant women, the magical cartographers. We're creating a space together which includes a podcast, live meetings, and discussion spaces for all the things. Maybe leave us a review for the show. Let us know what you think about what we hope to do. Are you interested in burning shit down and designing new ways, more inclusive and congruent ways of showing up in this world? We hope so. We look forward to having you join us. Stay tuned. There is so much more to come.
Thank you for listening to the Stories of Astonishing Light podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can support this podcast in a few different ways. First, you could post a screenshot of the podcast on your Instagram and Facebook stories or in your feeds and tag me at Bliss Begins Within or Musings on Other, and I can repost you. Another way to spread the love is to share this podcast with your friends and family, anyone whom you think might enjoy it as well. A third way to support this podcast is to subscribe, download, and leave a positive review on any of the platforms you listen to the show on. In this way, we can continue to grow our audience and reach more listeners. A quick and direct way to leave a review is by going to ratethispodcast.com forward slash astonishing stories. I am so grateful to spend this time with you exchanging such uplifting tales of resilience. We'll see you next time. Thank you.